You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I am your host, Tyler, and... If you listen to the first episode this week, our Spring Practice Primer Part 2, you know the news of Mike White being hired as Georgia's new head basketball coach. Yeah, that broke while we were recording that episode. Totally took me by surprise. Didn't see that one coming. I vaguely heard Mike White's name mentioned as in like he might be interested in our job, but I really paid that no attention. But clearly, that was a mistake. So, yeah, that news broke while we were recording the episode on Sunday night. So if you're wondering why we posted that episode and not a basketball coaching hire episode, that's why. We were basically done with that episode and that news broke. And we just gave you some initial thoughts at the tail end of that episode. People want instant reactions, and that was like the most instant of reactions, like in the moment. But as I told you guys at the end of that episode, we want to give you those initial reactions, but I am back for more today. I had a day to digest it and just put together some more detailed thoughts to share with you guys on the podcast today. Now, as always, take them as you will, take them or leave them, do what you please with them. But as a huge Georgia basketball fan and really just a huge college basketball fan in general, I do have some thoughts, and I've got a podcast, so why not? I figured I'd share those thoughts with you guys, and I'm just going to dive headfirst into this thing today, and I actually want to start with the haters, and this might be you. You might be one of the haters. You know who you are, and that's okay. You be you. You do your thing, and look, hires like this are never universally loved, unless it's like a slam dunk, unless we went out and hired like Mark Few or something like that. Like, it'd be hard to argue against that, but still, it'd probably be somebody who would be like, well, has he ever recruited the Southeast? Does he know the guys in Atlanta? It's like, well, he recruits the entire world and brings in the best players annually, so I think he'd probably be okay, but there'd probably be someone out there that wouldn't be cool with a guy like Mark Few or even John Calipari. Haters hate. That's what they do. And, and there's just always, really, they're almost always, without fail, there's always that contingent that just isn't buying it. And that's certainly the case here. And again, that's fine. If you want to hate, hate away, man. Do your thing. And in a lot of context, disagreement can be a very, very healthy thing. But in this particular case, I just got to push back some, man. Because as far as I've heard, all the people who are hating on this Mike White hire, 
they're all parroting pretty much the exact same line, right? And I started to hear this like as soon as I saw the hires announced, actually while we were recording the podcast yesterday and I saw the news come across social media, actually somebody had texted me and so I started checking social media while we were recording and yeah, you start to see the hire and then you immediately start seeing people who are hating on the hire. And I've heard the same things today, going to work, talking to people, reading things on social media today, checking message boards, the whole nine yards, making your runs, making your rounds through all the all the different sources of information out there. And the people who are criticizing the hire are almost to the man saying the same thing. And that is some version of what Mark Bradley wrote in his column on the hire in the AJC. This is what Mark Bradley said. I don't ever read Mark Bradley. I don't even read the AJC ever, but... I saw this on social media somewhere. Somebody had like screenshotted this part of it and I saw this quote and so it kind of prompted me to go actually read the articles. I didn't want to just bring some random quote out of context here on the podcast. I wanted to make sure I had all the context around it. And Mark Bradley was trying to frame the hire as poorly as he possibly could. He basically eschewed anything positive that Mike White had done and of course did what some journalists are apt to do and framed it in as negative a way as he possibly could. And then he closed out the column. It was a very short column, but he closed out the column by saying this, quote, I can't imagine many Gator fans are crushed that he's leaving and I wouldn't take that as the greatest of signs, end quote. And so you have heard some version of that line, of that thought process parroted by the haters. That is what they're pointing at. I mean, Florida fans, and Florida fans kind of fueled this because they took to social media gleefully right after the, the hire was announced, very gleefully pointing out and laughing at Georgia for hiring the guy that they all wanted to fire anyway. And oh yeah, paying his buyout. We don't have to pay his buyout. They're just kind of bragging about that, throwing that in our faces. And the way that they see it, the Florida fans are kind of presenting this as like, they think that Mike White was handed the keys to a Ferrari by Billy Donovan. And he turned that into, a, I don't know, a Ford Pinto. And so the idea is, among all the haters, well, if Florida is happy that he's gone, then why should we be excited to take their castaways? That's the general idea among all the haters that I've heard out there. Now, maybe somebody else somewhere is saying something different, but that seems to be the general narrative among the people who are not behind this hire. So let me address that. And first off, what I want to say is this. Let me just start here. Why... In the hell would any self-respecting Georgia fan care one damn bit about what Florida fans think? Screw those guys. First off, first off, when did Florida fans become the authority on who is and isn't a good coach and what does and does not constitute a good hire? I mean, guys, let's not forget up until this year when you flat out just couldn't live in denial anymore. This same Gator fan base, they dedicated their lives to promoting Dan Mullen as like the next coming of Jesus Christ himself. I mean, they spent three years swearing on everyone's life, their mother, their daughter, their son, their wife, their great-grandpappy, anyone and everyone that meant anything to them, swearing up and down on their lives that Dan Mullen was clearly the better coach than Kirby Smart. Like, it's just not even a question. And yeah, how that turn out. So let's just pump the brakes here of bowing down to the authority and expertise of the Florida fan base. Let's, let's just slow that roll for a second, guys. Can you do that for me? 
But but back to this narrative that the haters in the Georgia fan base have adopted really straight from the Florida fan base. To me, and look, if, if you're one of the people that is subscribing to this narrative, please don't take this as a personal insult, but I, I just see that as lazy and shallow. I'm just trying to be honest here. It's a very lazy and shallow take. It requires very little thought to just throw that out there. It's the very easy take because it willfully ignores context and nuance. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you know I'm pretty big on context. When I'm talking about like storylines and big picture things, I try to put that in context. I'm not a rash, off-the-cuff, reactionary kind of guy. That's not me. I'm far more of a deliberate thinker. I'm not a hot take kind of guy. I never have been. I never will be. If you're listening to this show to get hot takes, if you've been listening long enough, you know that's not what you're going to get here. I'm just going to give you what I truly think, my honest opinions, and those opinions are usually really deliberately thought out. I don't come to those thoughts, those opinions like in a snap. I don't make the snap judgments. I I like to look at the nuance, the context of things and try to piece together all the different elements in order to form whatever opinion I end up coming up with. And that's what I tried to do here. That's why I took a day to digest this information instead of like recording the episode with Curtis last night and then five minutes later, just going ahead and recording an emergency podcast, which I know some of you wanted me to do, but I didn't see this one coming and I had to digest this and I wanted to really think about this on a a deeper level and bring you guys some more detailed thoughts on it. And that's what I'm trying to do here. So let's talk about Mike White's situation in Florida. Let's talk about that. We have to start with Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan at Florida is a flat out legend, still is. The freaking court at Florida at Exact Tech Arena is what it's called now, is the former O-Dome. They renovated a couple years back. That court is named after Billy Donovan. And that was the guy that Mike White was was replacing. Billy Donovan didn't coach 40 years ago. This is the guy that immediately preceded Mike White at the University of Florida. As far as I'm concerned, looking at this from the outside, looking at the Florida situation with, with Billy Donovan and Mike White, this is very much a classic case of you don't want to be the guy who follows the legend. Right, you know, you've heard that before, right? I didn't just make that up. You've heard that before, but it's a classic case of that. You don't want to be the guy who follows the legend. What you want to be is the guy who follows the guy who followed the legend. Like who, whenever Nick Saban retires in seventy-five years, whenever that happens, I would not want to be the guy to replace Nick Saban. That is an impossible standard to live up to. I think they're going to have a hard time getting an established coach to take that job. I know there's a lot of inherent advantages to working in Alabama, but who wants to follow that dude? Because no matter how successful you are, it's never going to be successful enough unless you match or exceed what Nick Saban did. And that's an essentially impossible standard. So what you want to do is wait for the guy who follows Nick Saban, let that guy inevitably fail, and that kind of lowers the fan base's expectations to a degree, and they're hungry to get some some semblance of success again. So then you want to be the guy that follows that guy, because now they're hungry to get back to any sort of success. That's what you want to be. So I don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. But Mike White, I mean, you had to take the Florida job. It's a great job in college basketball. I hate to say it, but it's true. It is. You have to take that job. But at the same time, there's inherent risk in that, because you are following the legend. And in a lot of, in a lot of ways, when you do that, you are set up for failure because if you are not him, if you don't win at that level or better at a higher level than he won at, you aren't good enough. And that's exactly what happened at Florida. And I mean, because that guy, Billy Donovan, that guy was the legend. He established, he became a legend 
by establishing an almost impossible standard. That's exactly what happened at Florida. So was Mike White Billy Donovan? No, of course he was not. Who out there in the college basketball landscape is? I mean, that list is exceptionally small. We're talking about a dude that won back-to-back national titles. I honestly don't even know when the last time that was done. Back-to-back national titles? Now, there's obviously multiple coaches who have won multiple national titles. You got Roy Williams, you got Coach K, but back-to-back? I mean, we're going back to, like, John Wooden? Like, are we going back that far? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a college basketball historian, but it's certainly very, very rare. So, no. By Billy Donovan's insane levels of success in that standard, Mike White did not live up to that standard. That's fair to say. I'm not going to take issue with that because that's just true. That's fact, right? But that doesn't mean that by objective measures that Mike White wasn't still successful. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you look at it objectively, Mike White absolutely had success at Florida. I mean, four straight NCAA tournament bursts, an Elite Eight run. He won at least one game every single time Florida made the tournament under his leadership. He put together four straight 20-win seasons. Would have been five if there was no pandemic. But obviously, that year got cut short. He signed multiple five stars. He's won his fair share of big games against the best competition. As recently as this year, I know they didn't make the tournament this year, and a lot of people are looking at that, but they did beat Auburn when they were riding high, and that's not like an an anomaly for Florida under Mike White's leadership. They've beaten Kentucky. They've beaten good teams, and Auburn was the most recent example of that. But again, go back to the Florida perspective, he wasn't Billy Donovan. No matter what he did, it wasn't Billy Donovan level success. He didn't win back-to-back titles. So yeah, Florida fans, they wanted him gone. You know, last year, it really goes, I mean, I would trace it back to last year. Last year was really when it, that narrative kind of started to pick up steam in the Florida fan base because they were supposed to be really good coming into last season. Obviously, it was a COVID year, but they're still supposed to be really good, had high expectations. But Keontae Johnson, who was going to be, Keontae Johnson was supposed to be their best player. He was gonna, he was their best player, there's no doubt about it. He was one of the best players in the SEC, one of the best players in the country. But he went down in the opening weeks of the season with a heart condition. He like collapsed on the floor. I think it was against Florida State. I was actually watching the game when it happened. I'm pretty sure it was against Florida State. The dude just collapsed, and it was like, is this COVID related? Is it the, the dreaded myocarditis that everyone's talking about, that heart condition that people were relating to COVID? That's what the, one of the reasons they were using uh, as an excuse that you know college sports couldn't be played because what if they got myocarditis and every player out there just started dying? Like We were scared it might be something like that, which would obviously have had huge implications, not just for Florida, but across the college basketball landscape. But regardless, he was a really good player and he was out for the entire year. And so they didn't have the season that Florida fans were expecting them to have coming into the year. They had their ups and they had their downs. But still, despite the loss of their best player, one of the best players in the SEC, one of the best players in the entire country, despite the loss of Keontae Johnson, they still made it to the NCAA tournament and they still won a game in the tournament. But yeah, in the second round, they lost to Oral Roberts, who was a Cinderella story. And that pissed Florida fans off. That wasn't good enough in their minds, just added to their grievances against him and then you come into this year and they start off all right and then they slow down once they start sec play kind of picked up a little bit got a little bit a little bit of momentum but then they kind of fell flat on their face towards the end of the year i think they ended up 19 and 13 on the year and they fell short of making the NCAA tournament and so as as far as florida fans are concerned well he's just a failure He's no good. He's never done anything good for us. But you got to get rid of him. We've got to hire somebody else. That's where they are coming from. Even though he made four straight NCAA tournaments, made an Elite Eight run, it wasn't good enough in the minds of Florida fans. Even though their program had made five total NCAA tournaments in 75 years, 
before Billy Donovan arrived in 1996 and reset their expectations. I mean, really, guys, Billy Donovan had a very like Steve Spurrier-esque effect on the Florida basketball program. I mean, before Spurrier, Florida football was nothing. They had never done anything and never won anything in their lives. And really, before Billy Donovan, Florida basketball was nothing. As far as Florida athletics are concerned, at least they're two major sports, it's been two guys that got them over the hump. Prior to Donovan and prior to Spurrier, Florida basketball, Florida football, nothing. Just not winning programs. But Billy Donovan came in and certainly reset their expectations. And now they have expectations to be like national title contenders. And that's fine. Florida fans can can have whatever their expectations be, whatever they want to be. That's totally fine. You can't begrudge them for that. And they can say that Mike White was not up to those standards. That's fine. That's their opinion. They can have that. All I'm saying is independent of what Florida fans think of him, that doesn't mean he is not a good coach. And it doesn't mean that he did not have objective success. Really what it depends on, honestly, is that word success. It depends on your definition of success. And I think when you're talking about college basketball or college sports in general, I think it's different for different programs. Like for Wake Forest football to make a bowl game, that's success, right? For them to go six and six or seven and six, they were good last year, but like traditionally Wake Forest, like, to go six and six, to go seven and five, get to a bowl game, win their bowl game. Man, that's a successful year for the Demon Deacons. For Georgia, six and six, that gets your ass fired. I mean, Mark Rigg got fired after a 10 win season. It's all about your standard and what your program is capable of and where your program is at, at a given time. It's just success is just different. It's just different for different programs. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And as much as I hate to say it, like, like Wake Forest isn't football, we're kind of like Wake Forest in college basketball. I mean, everyone wants to hear, you know, how do you grade this higher? I've gotten that question a lot. And that's cool. I mean, that's fair. You run a podcast. We want to hear that. I mean, that, that makes sense. But when you're thinking about that, like how would I grade this higher or any higher? I think you have to do it on a sliding scale because again, programs are in different places. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Mike White is a slam dunk home run higher for us because I, I don't think that's the case. A home run hire would have been like Scott Drew or like I mentioned Mark Few earlier or John Calipari or something like that. Some dude has won a national title or gotten very, very close to it. Well, that And that's clearly not Mike White. He hasn't had that level of success. But you have to know 
who we are. Like you have to know who your program is and where this program is. You have to face reality. And sometimes that can be hard. I get it. And it's, it's good to have high expectations, but at some level, you also have to be realistic, especially in terms of like who you can and cannot hire. I mean, people bashing this hire as underwhelming to me, they sound a lot like Tennessee football fans, right? Like we've, we've had fun over the past decade or so making fun of Tennessee football fans where, you know, call them delusional thing. They should be something that they're not like, I mean, remember back when they were making all these hires, these coaching hires, especially going back with like with Butch Jones and then with Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, they had convinced themselves multiple different points that John Gruden was a realistic option for the Tennessee volunteer football program to hire. They had convinced themselves of that, right? It's kind of like, know who you are, guys. You're not getting John Gruden. It's not going to happen. Like, it's okay for a program to want more, for a fan base to want more. I don't begrudge anyone for wanting more, for aspiring to be more than you are. I think that's good and that's healthy. You should always want more. But at the same time, you have to be realistic about who you are, where your program is currently, and then also what type of coach you can currently attract. It's all about the context of your program. And you. so when you're looking at the Mike White hire and you're trying to grade it, you have to look at it in the context of where the Georgia basketball program is and where we have been for a long time. So from that perspective, yeah, if you're Kentucky or Duke and you hire Mike White, yeah, that's probably a little underwhelming. I think Mike White has a good resume, a strong resume, but not for a job like that. I mean, no, I think that's fair to say. But for us right now, where this program is at an all-time low, like literally an all-time low for a program that really has no tradition to speak of, coming off a six-win season and the most losses in program history, a program that's made three NCAA tournaments in the last 19 years, guys, we haven't won an NCAA tournament game since I was a sophomore in high school. I'm 36 freaking years old right now. Let that sink in. We have won one single NCAA tournament game in 25 years. That's where our program is. And when that's where your program is, this is a very strong hire. I mean, who did people think we were going to go out there and get? Scott Drew? I know that was the rumor, but come on. Like, I wanted to believe that, but I, that's why I didn't even re- report it on the show when we were talking about the potential candidates. That's not realistic. I didn't buy that for a second. I was hopeful, man, maybe some crazy way. I don't know. Maybe the Big 12 is falling apart and he doesn't think it's, it's going to be a viable conference very long. Maybe in some crazy world, but no, really, it's not going to happen. I mean, Bill Self, Jay Wright, Mark Few, you think we're going to go out and get those kind of guys? That's what it sounds like. People aren't happy. Some people aren't happy with Mike White because he's not a national championship winning coach and he hasn't sniffed the final four, even though he's made an elite eight or whatever. So like, what, what, are we, what are we thinking here? Like, What are the alternatives? You think we're getting one of those guys? That's not happening. One of those established guys that's one at that level is not coming to Georgia right now, not where this program is right now. Maybe the next hire, but not right now. Not right now, not where this program is. So when you factor in the context of our program, I do think this is a very strong hire. This guy has evidence of doing things that we have not done in 25 years. And here's another thing. All you haters out there, let me just ask you this. Of all the names that were prominently mentioned with our job, which one of those guys, which one of them has a better resume of being a proven winner than Mike White? 
Who is it? Is it Steve Forbes? I had a lot of people saying they wanted that guy, and I, I was open to Steve Forbes. But Steve Forbes has one NCAA tournament appearance on his entire resume at East Tennessee State. He's been at Wake Forest two years, small sample size, but has not made the tournament yet at Wake Forest. They folded down the stretch, lost to Boston College in their first game, the ACC tournament, and that knocked them out of contention for getting into the NCAA tournament. They fell short, but that people have been happy with that hire. Andy Enfield, that was a name that was being thrown around. I had a lot of people that were very excited about that. I was excited about that possibly. I didn't think it was a realistic possibility, but maybe you heard the name mentioned. And he's got very similar results to Mike White. Nine years at USC, four NCAA tournaments, one Elite Eight, very, very similar results in resumes to Mike White. But I'm hearing and talking to people and reading about people saying they would have been happy with a hire like Andy Enfield, even though, honestly, Mike White has, I think, a better resume, a very similar resume, but I think a better. It took him fewer years to get to four NCAA tournaments like Andy Enfield. And Andy Enfield, the difference here, he just didn't have Billy Donovan. He did not have Billy Donovan standards to live up to. Their resumes are very, very similar, but people perceived Andy Enfield as a better hire, would have been a better hire in some people's minds than Mike White. What's the difference? Andy Enfield was not being compared to Billy Donovan. He was not being stood up side by side to Billy Donovan and compared to him, and his fan base didn't look at him that way. So there was a, that perception was not out there. And, and then there's the mid-major coaches. Matt McMahon, really, really good coach at Murray State. Got him a seven-seed NCAA tournament. That's very, very impressive. But Matt McMahon took over a dominant Murray State program. They've been dominant for a long time at their level in their conference in the OVC, and he kept them dominant at that at level, but has had zero Power 5 experience. Really good coach, could work out and be an awesome Power 5 coach. But you don't know that. There's no evidence of that. Nico Medved at Colorado State, also a guy that I've been, I told you guys I've been very happy with. A really good coach, but they actually just made their first NCAA tournament under his leadership at Colorado State this year. Did a good job at Furman. Has had some success at smaller stops, but doesn't have the resume, especially at the Power 5 level, of a guy like Mike White. Dennis Gates, four seasons, one insulated tournament appearance, zero wins, no Power 5 experience. Another guy I would have been okay with if we hired him. I think there's a high upside there, but you just don't know. It's a risk. Jonas Hayes, don't even get me started there. And, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. All of those hot mid-major coaches would have entailed a far bigger risk. Because when you're hiring the mid-majors, it's a it's a very boomer bust thing. Like, yeah, for every Nate Oates there are where you come in and immediately you know, win the SEC tournament, for every one of those guys, there's a Dennis Felton that, as we very well know, kind of falls flat on his face. So it's just a, a boomer bust thing when you're hiring those mid-majors. It's, it's possible it could be a big home run hire, but you could also just flat out fail. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So when I look at the Mike White hire, what I see is a hire with a very high floor. I think that's how I would phrase this. It's a hire with a very high floor. Does he have as high of a ceiling as a Matt McMahon or a, or a Nico Medved or a Dennis Gates? 
Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, we, we just don't know. I, I know those guys are the hot names right now, and people are, are high on those guys, but what evidence do we have to suggest those guys have a higher ceiling than Mike White? Maybe they do. That's the unknown. The unknown is very attractive, very appealing to people because even though you can't say that they for sure would be, you can't for sure say they wouldn't be. So it's always very appealing. But what we do know is that this guy, Mike White, has a proven track record of getting a Power 5 program into the NCAA tournament and has made a deep run to the Elite Eight in that tournament. And in the Elite Eight, I believe they lost to Texas Tech, who ended up being the national runner-up that year. It's a very good Texas Tech team that almost won the national title that year. It very well could have. But it's a high floor. It's a very high floor when you hire a guy like Mike White. With all those other guys, even Steve Forbes, I'll throw him in there because you just really don't know. He's got such a small sample size of experience at the Power 5 level of Wake Forest. With all those other guys, you are completely guessing. Again, it might work out, but it might not. We've seen that here. But Mike White is a proven winner at the Power 5 level. And the reality is, I'll I'll say this, we don't know what his ceiling is. Just because he hasn't won the title at Florida in six seasons because he didn't go to a Final Four in six years at Florida doesn't preclude him from ever being able to do that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you with a straight face that I'm confident he has that ceiling. But I'm also going to sit here and tell you with a straight face that there's no way that he can do that, that that ceiling doesn't exist for Mike White as higher. It's certainly a possibility. So I think you've gotten the point by now. But if I haven't made it clear enough for you, let me just spell it out. I really like this hire. No, I, I don't think this is a home run hire, a grand slam hire, where we're going to be in the final four in three years. I, I'm not going to sit here and try to sell you on that. But I do think there are a lot of reasons to like this hire. And I want to go back to my criteria for this hire. When I was going through our hot boards and and talking about the different candidates, I laid out for you guys a couple different times what I was looking for in our next coach. And I'll just kind of revisit those and tell you why I think Mike White fits that criteria. So number one on my list was evidence of building a program. He has done that. Not at Florida. I'm not talking about Florida. That program was built by Billy Donovan. We know that. But he built up the Louisiana Tech program, which is running now under the new coach, Eric Conkle. They had one winning season in five years before Mike White got to Louisiana Tech. They had four total 20-plus win seasons in the previous 20 years before Mike White got to Ruston to Louisiana Tech. His first year, he immediately took them to a winning record. I think it was like 18 and 15, not an NCAA tournament bid, uh, but a, a winning record, a vast improvement in one year. And then he was there for four years, so... His second, third, and fourth year, three straight years of 27 wins or more. He got that program rolling, and now after he left, Eric Conkle's come in, and they've won 20 or more games six of the last seven years. But just like, and obviously it's at the same level, he didn't win a national title there like Billy Donovan, but he got that program rolling, and Eric Conkle took over and just kept that thing rolling. But it was Mike White that kickstarted that program, and that's what he parlayed into the Florida job. And I do think that's very important because as I've made very clear, this is a rebuilding job. We have to face reality. We know where we want to be and what we eventually want our program to attain from a success standpoint, but we are very far away from that right now. In basketball, I will say you can turn things around quicker, especially with the transfer portal in this era, because you only have five guys on the court at one time. You get a couple good players and that can change things really in an instant, overnight. Absolutely, it can happen. But this is a rebuilding job. Let's make no bones about that. And he's had success rebuilding or building up a relatively also ran program in Louisiana Tech. So he checks that box. He's also a young guy. You know, my my second criteria was you have in this era of the transfer portal, 
in just players' rights, players' empowerment. You have to have a coach that's a player's coach and that builds a positive environment that wants that encourages players to want to stay around and helps you retain the top players in your program and also can be attractive to not just high school recruits, but those potential transfers coming in from other programs. And you've never heard anything about Billy Donovan being a guy that butts heads with his players and having mutinies like you've kind of heard at times with with, with Tom Crean and various other coaches out there. That's not Billy Donovan. He's, a, he's an intense coach, but he seems to be a coach that loves his players, has their backs, and they play for him. And he's had a lot of success in the transfer report, I mean, his best players the past couple of years, Colin Castleton was the best player this year. A couple of years ago was Kerry Blackshear. Both of those guys are guys that he brought in from the transfer report. He brought in Blackshear from Virginia Tech and he brought in Castleton from Michigan. And both those players, especially Kerry Blackshear, Kerry Blackshear, when he came out, it was a couple of years ago now, but when Kerry Blackshear was transferring from Virginia Tech, he was arguably the most sought after player in the entire country coming out of the transfer portal. And Florida ended up landing that guy. And that was a big get for Mike White. That really caught my eyes there. So he's got the reputation to where he can attract some of those top players coming out of the transfer portal. And I think that's huge. Hopefully be also be able to retain players far better than what Tom Crean was ever able to do. And the third thing here, you got to be a good recruiter. No, I, I would say that I think Mike White is a good recruiter, but he's not the best recruiter out there. He's not a Bruce Pearl type recruiter. And that's fair to say. I'm not going to try to sell you a bill of goods on that. But he has recruited at a high level. He's landed multiple five-star guys like Scotty Lewis from a couple years ago, Trey Mann from a couple years ago. He does have Southeast ties. His dad was the athletic director at Duke for a long time. So on the East Coast, the Southeast, he's coached at Florida. So he has ties. He's recruited the state of Georgia. He's landed multiple players out of the state of Georgia. So while he might not be like the most dynamic recruiter in the country, He's still proven that he can land the top guys coming out of high school, whether it's Sky Lewis, Trey Mann, guys like that, or the top guys coming out of the transfer portal, whether it's Colin Castleton, whether it's Kerry Blackshear. He's proven that he can do both of those things. And in this era of college basketball, you've got to be able to do both. And we've seen evidence of that from Mike White. And I, I know, guys, like, again, we aren't a basketball school. That's not what we've done, and that's not who we've been really ever. So I know a lot of you probably don't watch a ton of college basketball. I'm sure some of you do, but I know there's probably a lot of you out there. Most of you probably, you know, probably watch the Georgia games for the most part. And you might catch an occasional game here and there during the season from some other teams that aren't Georgia, but then you lock in during the NCAA tournament because that's fun, right? But, and that's cool. That's totally cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, I love college basketball. I've said that multiple times over the past couple of weeks. And I watch a lot of college basketball. And I've watched a lot of Florida over the years. I've seen these Mike White teams. And I will tell you what I think that we are getting. We're getting a coach that is going to demand that his team play good defense. In four of his six full seasons at Florida, Florida finished in the top 16 in Kim Palm in defensive efficiency. And if you're not familiar with Kim Palm, it's... Ken Palm is Ken Palm Roy. He's a guy that years ago put together his own metric system, and it is now widely accepted as one of the most prominent evaluating tools in college basketball. So when I say Ken Palm, I'm just talking about his rankings, his defense efficiency rankings, very commonly, very widely accepted in college basketball circles. Top 16 in Ken Palm defense efficiency in four of his six full seasons. That's what they do. They play good defense. He demands that, and that's what he wants his teams to hang their hats on. And if you've watched us play under Tom Crean, that's a sight for sore eyes because defense was, I mean, saying defense was optional is not really doing justice to the product that we saw out there. It was just flat abysmal. We just didn't play defense. It's just that simple. 
And then you're also going to guy that's going to put together a team that plays smart and doesn't, oh, I don't know, like drive blindly into three defenders in the paint and just bowl over people getting charged and then put your hands up in frustration. What did I do? You're not going to get that, all right? I'm not going to say a player's not going to do that here and there, but that's going to be the exception. It's not going to be the rule, which is really what the case was under Tom Crean. Just ridiculous, reckless play on the offensive side of the ball, non-existent defense. Those things are going to be a thing of the past under Mike White. You're also going to see a team that plays with great effort and toughness, a team that shoots the ball well. He recruits for that. He wants guys that can, that can drill from distance. And you're going to see a lot of that under Mike White because he puts a premium on that as well. They've always had a bunch of shooters on their teams. And it's been frustrating because when we play them, it's like, oh my God, of course, he's got this guy's going to nail this shot. And of course, what does he do? He nails that shot. So that's what I think you're going to see in a nutshell from these Mike White teams. And again, look, I'm not trying to sell you on the idea. This is a slam dunk home run hire that's guaranteed to result in in immediate deep tournament runs like now or in the relatively near future. I'm not going to sell you on that. But I do think this is a strong hire with a very high floor that will have us back in the NCAA tournament conversation within, I think, two or three years. I think that's fair. I think that's my expectation with Mike White. Three years, he should have us back in the insulated conversation, if not like in the insulated tournament, at least like on the bubble in the conversation there, not a complete afterthought. And then eventually, I think this is a guy that's going to have us in the tournament on a regular basis, maybe not every single year, but far more commonly than has been the case over the course of the last two plus decades. And I'll go back to what I've, what I've been saying all episode, the theme of the show, considering the context of where this program is right now, that's a win. That's a win for Georgia basketball. It's a big step in the right direction to bring in a guy that has proven that he can get to the tournament and win in the tournament. And then once we reach that level, guys, like I'm not changing our long-term aspirations. I want to be a team that's making Final Fours, that's competing for national titles. But we got to get to that level first. We're not there yet. Got to take steps. But once we take those steps and we reach that level, then we can talk about taking that next step and reaching that ultimate goal. And, and look, maybe Mike White isn't that guy that will ever get us there. Maybe he's not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you undoubtedly he's that guy. But I don't think that ceiling has been defined. I don't think what this guy can truly do has fully been written yet. I think he will have more resources to work with at Georgia. I'm not saying that we've had the basketball success. Of course not. But you have a ton of talent here in the state of Georgia. We also have a far better financial situation than what Florida has. We have a far more passionate fan base than Florida has. I know that we haven't been into basketball as much as Florida has because they've had that more recent success. But the stack gets rocking, guys. I mean, if you've been there, like when we're rolling in big games and we're in contention for a tournament, which is not often – but when those times have come, the stead can get rocking. This fan base will get behind Mike White if he puts a winner out there. So I think he has resources to work with, and he also has, has an athletic director and a president, Jerry Moorhead and Josh Brooks, who are all in to get this program rolling. So I'm excited. I'm excited, guys, and I think we got a coach who checks a lot of the boxes that we were looking for in this hour that I personally was looking for, and a lot of the boxes that I think our athletic director, and our president we're looking for in our next head coach. I can't guarantee you it's going to work out. You can never really guarantee these things. Again, unless it's like Nick Saban, but I sure am going to have a heck of a lot of fun watching it play out over the next couple of years, and I'm excited about the potential of this basketball program and the level that Mike White can raise this program to. I think that Georgia basketball is about to start to get relevant here sooner rather than later, at least in the conversation. 
And for us, where we've been, I think that's a win. So thank you for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. Those are my thoughts on the Mike White hire. And I'm going to try to get back on here one more time this week. I know spring practice technically starts tomorrow. I'm recording this right now. It's Monday night at 9.55 p.m. Uh, so I know spring practice, spring football practice, it officially starts tomorrow. But, you know, the first day or so, there's not really much going on. So even though it technically will have already started, we'll do one more spring practice primer episode. We'll wrap things up with a look at the defensive front seven, the defensive line, and our inside linebackers. And get you guys all set for all the position battles heading into spring practice. So make sure you look forward to that later on this week. But thanks for listening, guys. Always appreciate it. I'm Tyler. And as always... Go Dogs! <laughs>